number hello and welcome back to transformers chronicles in case you're new to the show let me tell you what this thing is all about we're going for a wild crazy ride learning about the awesome wacky and sometimes corny world of the transformers u.s version we promise we will get to the uk comics at a later date but for now we will stick to the u.s comics the podcast is absolutely guaranteed to be you guessed it more than meets the eye but i'm not coming on this crusade alone First up, we have the founder of the Longbox Crusade, the novice to the Transformers world, the seeker of the Matrix of Knowledge, Pat Sampson. Pat, welcome to the show, and I have a question for you to start off. And since I was given so much guff for asking such a big question of what are you doing to transform your life last time, I'm giving you guys a break and instead asking, what has changed in your life since last episode? Hmm. Well... Stuff that has changed in my life since last episode is I got a lot more editing to do. So I am constantly working on editing a lot of podcasts <laughs> lately because I we got something going on in December. That's true. I'm sure that like nobody, you know, on that project is giving you any pressure to get any editing done. <laughs> of course not. Nobody. <laughs> no. 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 Well, is there anything else, Pat? No, that's about it. I'm just, you know, ready to heads down and uh, doing some transformation of the editing and turning it into a gem. You do that a lot. I've listened to myself on a lot of your productions and I sound halfway competent. And trust me, I know that takes a lot of work. Anyway, next up, we have our Transformers expert, Jonathan Schaefer Hames, the lesser half of Merit with Comics. Hi, Maggie. Hi, Delvin. <laughs> It's <laughs> like a voice so from beyond. What has changed in your life since last episode? Last month, Maggie and I turned into a uh, podcasting guest starring machine where our entire lives were um, appearing on other people's show and, have, and having them on ours and editing. And I'm here. And you're so here. One of us is here. Well, half of you is here. The lesser. But we're still glad to have you. Right. Well, thanks. But we can't forget about you, man. What changes have happened in your life or how have you transformed your life since last episode? You know what? I haven't done too much. It has been uh, relatively normal here in uh, lovely Charlotte, North Carolina. And I guess that's a good thing. I guess that means things are settling in for me since I've been here about, I don't know, 15, 16 months at this point. So it's just been work and and jujitsu and podcasting and that's pretty much been it for me there hasn't been anything too insane or exciting but glad to be here uh glad to be podcasting with you two and we actually have a guest what for the first time somebody wanted to come join us <laughs> gentlemen please join me in welcoming to the show the host of cheers cast the podcast where everyone knows your name batman nightcast and other shows on the firewater podcast network and enormous fan of the Transformers, Ryan Daly. Great to have you on the crusade, Ryan. What's up with you? Hey, it's me, Ryan Daly. Woo! <laughs> hey, Ryan! How are you guys? Thank you for having me. Well, hi, Ryan. It is nice to have you here. Can you tell us a bit about your history with the Transformers? Did you have any of the toys growing up, watch the cartoon, read any of these comics? What's your uh, history with it? Uh, it's a little personal. I'd rather not get into that on this episode. <laughs> 
Fair enough. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Transformers have been in my life for some of my very earliest memories. I was born in the very early 80s, so the Transformers were literally some of the first toys that I ever received. There is a sort of infamous story within my personal family that was often told. I was very sickly as a child and went to the hospital on numerous occasions. One year, I assume it must have been Christmas 1984, I actually spent Christmas in the hospital. Hospital and as a gift got, I think, five of the original G1 Autobots. And if I can remember correctly, I think I got Sideswipe, Trailbreaker, Wheeljack, Hound, and Mirage. Hound did not end up going home with me after I was released from the hospital. Somehow that figure got left behind and lost. So I didn't have that toy to play with as I was growing up. But yeah, uh, I, I did have a lot of the toys that for the first couple of years. I loved the cartoon. I actually did not really get into the Transformers comics. I didn't start collecting comics until the later 80s. And G.I. Joe was actually my gateway into comics. Somehow I accumulated a couple, but I didn't read a lot of Transformers comics until IDW got the license about 10 years ago. And then I went back and read the first like Transformers Classics trade paperback had like 13 issues uh, and then a few others. So I, I had read the issue that we're going to talk about. Do you have a favorite Transformer or Transformers? You know, for the longest time, it was Prowl, the Autobot who transforms into a police car because oh, yeah. I believe he was the first Transformer I got was Prowl. And I just loved him. I loved the fact that he turned into a cop car because as a kid, I thought – cops were cool and i like the uh, symbol of authority and justice and all those things like that and it was really great now like actually reading him in the comics and how like cold and detached he is he's like spock but without the charm um (laughs) and just being uh, an adult in this generation who tries to be somewhat woke to borrow the term i don't have the same affection for cops that i used to (laughs) Um, yeah yeah prowl's no longer my favorite um i would probably go to i kind of like the the bruiser characters the heavy hitters like ironhide and brawn and most of my love for these guys comes from their depiction in the cartoon much more so than the toys which i liked at first but kind of grew out of the toys fairly quickly because they didn't look like the cartoon. They didn't have the articulation and the posability that that G.I. Joe or other toys did. So I liked the novelty of the Transformers toys, but grew to not like playing with them pretty early on, but still love that cartoon. So based on the cartoon and my headcanon, I would say my favorites are Ironhide and Cliffjumper. And Braun, Blue Streak, Mirage. Okay, I've got a lot of favorites. <laughs> let's say, let's say Cliff Jumper because of Casey Kasem's voice. Uh, yeah. Do you got, got any my... favorite Decepticons? I would say Thundercracker because he was my first Decepticon. So for the same reason that I liked Prowl initially, and just because he's the one that nobody ever remembers, he didn't have the personality or the ambition that Starscream had. And you know, Skywarp was black, so Skywarp always seemed cool. Thundercracker was just like the other jet. I also Meg. Liked, he was Meg. In terms of personality, there was I liked Rumble and Frenzy, which this will come up in, within when we talk about the comic. Because for me, in my head canon, Rumble is the blue one because of the cartoon, and Frenzy is the red one. And in the toys and the comics, that was always reversed. Megatron and Optimus Prime were the best characterized and best delineated ones, so it's hard not to like them a lot. Yeah, and it, probably one of those, like Megatron or Thundercracker or Rumble. 
Nice. And now that we've introduced all the characters, we're ready for our first promo break. We'll be right back. I hope it's for one of my shows. The Transformers will return after these messages. Afternoon, everybody. Ryan! How's that baby treating you, Mr. Daly? Like Thanos, snapping his fingers at my bank account. In that case, how about a beer on the house? Sure, gotta give my mouth something to do between podcasts. Say, Ryan, I don't get how you have so much time for podcasting. Doesn't your wife want you spending time with the baby? Would you? (laughs) Truth is, I think she's a little worried about how much time I'm spending with the kid, ever since his first words were Dagobah system. (laughs) Now she wants me to go out and do something mature, something productive, and most of all, something lucrative that can support the family. So you're going to... Podcast about Cheers, yeah. (laughs) That kid's not going to start college for 18 years. I got time. (laughs) Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. Coming soon to the Fire and Water Network. We now return to the Transformers. Welcome back. The issue we will be covering today is Transformers issue three. And here's John with the cover description. All right. Thank you. This cover from the top says number three in a four issue limited series has the Transformers logo and the more than meets the eye slogan. It informs us that it is guest starring Spider-Man, who we see in his black costume and is still, in fact, the alien symbiote costume, though Spider-Man inside of it does not quite yet know this. More on that later. He is wrapping webs around a prominently featured Megatron who does not seem to be very happy about it. Actually, he seems a bit more surprised. His fusion cannon is charging up and ready to fire as a bunch of other Decepticons in the background who are shaded purple look on. The inset picture in the upper left corner is this time Gears, who is in this issue a lot. I like this cover. I like it a little better than the last one. We had a big to-do on that about what we thought of that. But this one is, anybody's going to pick this one up if you see it. If you know anything about who Megatron and who Spider-Man is, or even if you don't, this looks interesting. I'm a little turned off by the the, uh, shading of the purple ones in the background. You know, rather than having them in color in the background, they seem to have gone with the purple for effect. I don't know if it works so well, but at least they don't have as much cartoonish faces as Bumblebee did in the previous one. So that is this cover and how I feel about it. We will move on to our guest. Ryan, what do you think about this cover? I disagree. I liked the cover to issue two better than this one. There we go. Yeah, I'm coming out of the gate, just controversial. You know, I, I hate all of your opinions. I don't um, even know you anymore, Ryan. <laughs> no. I don't think this is a bad cover, but I don't think it's great. I was actually a little bit surprised when you said it was Mike Zek, and I wonder because this is this issue came out deep in the Marvel Superhero Secret War series is coming out, so I think he might have done this a little bit rushed because I don't think Spider-Man looks that great on it. I think Megatron looks pretty good. There's definitely like you, you definitely get the the emotion, the struggle from that, but it's okay. I, yeah, I like the cover to issue two better than this one. Pat, you talk for now. Well, let's first talk about hating my opinion. <laughs> If we're talking. Plenty of time for that. We'll be doing that oh, for the okay. rest of the well, show. Good. I'm glad I can. you guys can find humor in me being the blunt of your disappointments here. But anyway. 
pad, just hit the pipe and you won't even need to worry about it. <laughs> That's what we're missing on this show. Pipes and brandies and all that to go around. We have to get you some Energon. Yeah, Energon, please. Pass the Energon on the left-hand side. <laughs> I think, you know, this is kind of like issue number two where it's got, issue number two had the yellow background. This has got the red background, just straight, flat background, not much going on in it. Um, I agree with Jonathan about the background of the other Decepticons that are standing around there in purple. Megatron is well drawn. I like that. Spider-Man, eh, looks okay. There's just something about it that hasn't really thrilled me, but I do like it better than number two. That's where I'm at on this one. Okay. So with me, I thought it was interesting. You know, there's no background, which I agree with Ryan indicates a rush. I also agree with Ryan that I thought that the um, issue two cover was better than this one, uh, just because there was kind of more of a mix and, and more of a fight between the robot. But there's a reason that this cover is kind of, I don't want to say iconic, but I will say like it's so freaking offbeat. You're looking at Spider-Man webbing up Megatron. <laughs> and, and that's not something that you're going to be seeing very often, if ever, again. So I, I don't love the cover, but I do like the cover. And with that, let's rate it. For those who are new to the show, we here at Transformers Chronicles rate stuff on a scale of 1 to 10, just like the tech specs of the Transformers toys. 1 being the lowest and 10 being the highest. Ryan, go ahead. What do you think? Uh, I'll probably give it a 6. Okay. Pat, what do you got? I'm going to give this a 5. Minute Road. So you did all of that. You like it better and you only gave it a 5? I I like it. That was better than your rating, though, last time. I hope so. I can't even remember. (laughs) I'm giving it a five. Is the Spider-Man, is he going to show up again down the road here? No. I think only John knows because as much as I read of the original series, I am brand new to the series until I get to issue five, I believe. The first four are brand new to me. Yeah, they, like the whole appearance of Spider-Man is controversial. I'm sure John can talk about that later. But uh, yeah, I know I know a little okay. bit about it. But it caused a lot of headaches for, especially when Marvel lost the rights to publish Transformers. This issue became more of a headache for other publishers. Uh, I bet. But I should probably rate it. I give it a seven. Uh, it w- I, I didn't think it was a bad cover. Um, Robots well drawn. Definitely one of those uh, weird and wacky ones, but not bad. Not not bad at all to me. What do you think, John? I give this one a five. I, I didn't like the last one famously. I gave it a four then. This one's a little better than that. But as you guys said, there's a lot wrong with this one. It's not terrible. It's got a, some, some good things and interesting, but it's just kind of middle of the road for me. I think Delvin and I were the two that preferred the cover to issue two better than this one, but we gave this one higher scores than you did. So you, were, you <laughs> yeah. two have been really unimpressed by the cover so far. I, gave, I just looked in my notes here, and I gave number two a five as well. So, so are you going to bump this one up then, since you, you thought it was better? Fine. I'll bump it to a six. <laughs> Sucker! Oh, you got me. You All right, well, then I'm going to bump mine down to five. <laughs> It's nice here. <laughs> no, I'm yeah. sticking with a five. It's okay. Oh, now you're wishy-washy. I'm yeah. wishy-washy. <laughs> so before we get any more confusing numbers, here's Pat with credits for the issue. And he'll probably do it, but I'll give it credit as well to Mike's Amazing World for uh, being awesome and great and stuff. That's right, Delvin. Mike's Amazing World is amazing. That's where we get all our comic credit needs from. Check it out. So 
This comic is from Marvel. It's got a cover date of January 1985, but on sale date was October 2nd, 1984. Got a cover price of 75 cents. Editor was Bob Budiansky. Writer is Jim Salkrup. Salakrup. Salakrup. Thank you. Penciler is Frank Springer. Inker, Kim DeMolder. With a second inker, so two inkers going on. Yeah, that's two inkers. Got two inkers. I'm glad it does because do you guys know who it is? Oh boy. Let I me can tell guess. you. I can also oh, read man. on the script <laughs> and then the credits. So. <laughs> well, it's Mike. Espadito! Espadito! Yay! I don't think they needed two inkers on this one. But Mike Esposito was just like, yeah, <laughs> I, I got to work my magic on this because someday they're going to talk exactly. about this. Week. Yes. It's all for us. It's all for us. Letterer is Janice Chang. Colorist is Nelson Yamtov. With the cover credits, go to Mike Sec. And there you have it, Delvin. Sweet. Thanks, Pat. They don't pay me around here unless I do the synopsis. Actually, they don't pay me at all. But I better get to it anyway. It is a world transformed where things are not what they seem. It is the world. The title is Prisoner of War. The Decepticons return to their fortress after their successful capture of Sparkplug Witwicky. Starscream gloats over being the one who captured him, while Megatron internally muses over Starscream's loyalty. Megatron demands Sparkplug devise a method to convert Earth fuel to a form that the Decepticons can use. Sparkplug, a Korean War vet, equates his situation to his time as a prisoner of war and attempts to resist. Megatron uses laser beaks, eye beams to help bring Sparkplug around to Megatron's way of thinking. Back at the Witwicky garage, Buster and the Autobots wonder what to do next. Optimus Prime orders everyone back to the Ark for fuel and repairs. The Transformers activity on Earth has attracted the attention of the movers and shakers of the world. The U.S. and Russia blame each other, and important to the story, Robbie Robertson sends Peter Parker to Oregon to get some pictures of the Decepticon Fortress. Peter figures he'll be better equipped for this as Spider-Man and swings off to get closer to the action. The Army sends a message of peace to the Decepticons. The Decepticons respond by attacking the Army. The humans are completely and utterly outclassed by the Decepticons. Spider-Man encounters Gears, an Autobot scout. And after an initial misunderstanding in the true Marvel style, the two heroes realize they're on the same side and join forces. Spider-Man rolls a 20 on his deception check and manages to sneak a whole bunch of Autobots past an army checkpoint where they attack the Decepticons anew. Gears and Spider-Man ascend the side of the mountain towards the Decepticons fortress. The two reach a parapet and enter the fortress. The wall crawler quickly takes out Frenzy and Rumble and survives an attack by Ravage long enough for Gears to take him out. Gears then takes out Soundwave. Spider-Man quickly and thoroughly spins a huge web which covers Megatron from head to toe. Gears grabs Sparkplug. Everything's coming up Autobot. And, and then Megatron tears out a Spider-Man's web like it was made out of cotton candy. He blasts the floor with his fusion cannon, creating a hole that Gears and Sparkplug tumble through. Spidey dives after them and frantically fires a web at the two. Spidey saves Sparkplug, but can't save Gears from plummeting to the canyon floor far below. 
The Autobots reassemble Gears back at the yard. Ratchet is able to bring Gears to consciousness, and he feebly informs the Autobots that Sparkplug completed his fuel conversion research for the Decepticons. Shocking buster. So let's talk about the book. Ryan, be up first uh, around these parts. We do a two good, one bad format eh, ish, where we let each person from the show bring up something good or bad from the comic and everyone discusses. You're up, Ryan. You have something good or you have something bad? I'll start with a good spoilers. I have less good to say about this one than bad. <laughs> I like initially when Sparkplug is captured, I like his defiance um, and not giving anything except his name, rank, and serial number to his captors, even though they're giant alien robots. So I like his reaction to that. I like that Spider-Man is able to help the Autobots kind of kick butt and, and take out a couple of Decepticons along the way. Jumping back to Sparkplug, though, for a negative, he's an auto mechanic <laughs> working out of his own garage, basically, next to his house. And in the first issue, he kind of made a big show about dressing down his son for being too academic and thinking about college. <laughs> I'm not sure what qualifies Sparkplug to do this advanced alien chemical engineering <laughs> where he transforms well, Ryan, well, Ryan, gasoline. You, you don't you don't get it. The reason why he doesn't want Buster to be that smart is because if he got kidnapped by alien robots, then he oh, I, I got nothing. I was gonna say that's your no prize. That's what you're going for. That's, that's okay. I mean it's it, okay they're br- bringing spark plug they're they're finding a use for him but Really? He's not a chemical engineer. That's the, like, They needed to kidnap Bruce Banner or Hank Pym in order to right. do... So can I piggyback something on with that? Because Go ahead. You know, that's my main one. Sparkplug tries to hand wave it by saying they're so advanced that they can't even begin to figure out how to deal with our stuff. Like, maybe I can buy that. The simple burning of, of synthesized fossil fuels would be beyond them. Okay, I've already talked myself out of accepting that. And then he goes like, okay, well, what do you need? All right, I need a sample of your fuel. Okay, rumble out of your arm. Okay, great. Now I'm now I'm gonna need a big tank of our fuel, and then apparently I'm gonna need an all-inclusive mobile chemistry lab that can be easily picked up and brought here. Make sure it's got a, a small personal computer with it, several chemistry beakers, and a giant scroll which I can roll forward and write down formulas in what sense. This this <laughs> makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Did you guys ever see the South Park episode with the underpants gnomes? <laughs> yes. Like they've got a three-part plan. Step 1, steal all the underpants. <laughs> Step 3, huge profits. <laughs> the kids ask, "Well, what's step 2?" And the gnomes say, "Okay, well, so step 1, you understand, we steal all the underpants." And then step three is huge profits. Yeah, but what's step two? By the time we get to step three, it's huge profits. You see that, right? <laughs> That's spark plugs like rationale. Yeah. Give me all of this stuff and then you'll have your fuel. It's like he fixes carburetors. <laughs> and I don't want to cast aspersions on, on mechanics because that's something that I certainly can't do, but this is insane alien. T- <laughs> <laughs> Especially since they have two characters later point out how just over the top gonzo it is. I mean, Buster looks at it and goes, in a very badly telegraphed, wow, I am overwhelmed. You can tell by looking at my face. And then later, Spider-Man says only Reed Richard would feel like a chemistry student in here or whatever. But spark plug, when the chips were down, he was able to do the bidding of the hey, Decepticons. Oh, when yeah. your life's I, 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 for it, you gotta do what you gotta do. 
I think Sparkplug doesn't want to die, so he's just throwing all of this stuff together. Exactly. <laughs> what the script needed was at the very end when Gear says Sparkplug made their the the conversion for their fuel. We needed the reaction shot of Sparkplug going, "Wait, I did." <laughs> 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 it's like I, I just threw some sugar in, in there and shrugged and walked away. They don't know what sugar is. Anyway, uh, Pat, do you have a good or bad? Uh, well, let's see, too. There's a lot of odd things going on here. I do like the fact that this one's a little more kind of Decepticon side of it again as well, too, here. They, you get a little more background story going on with them. You get to see their cool little hideout that they make that nobody saw it yet until finally now. Of course, Spider-Man showing up. I kind of was interested in that to see how they were Spider-Man was going to interact with them. And then you get to see Nick Fury and Dum Dum Dugan. There's something there I want to ask about with that. When Nick says, tells Dum Dum, that that's the big green fire snorting lizard is loose again, I quit. I'm assuming that he's talking about the older comic that, uh, the Godzilla comic book that Dum Dum was mm-hmm. in. Yes, he was is. This st- was that still going on back mm-hmm. in when this one was out? I don't know if they were published concurrently, but it was in the early 80s that it was okay. still going on. Uh, ben Avery's show that he's doing podcasts, and he is covering some of the, the Godzilla comic books as well, too. So that's when he said that. I'm like, oh, I think I know what he's talking about. <laughs> oh, no. Actually, I think Godzilla ended in 1979. Oh. So, And did, did anybody catch that in the panel next to it? In what I'm reading, it says the editor-in-chief is Joe Robertson. Yeah. Yes. That is his first oh, name. Okay. I always thought it was Robbie. No, they call his him nickname. Robbie, but his first okay. name's Joe. Oh, I must be. Hey, John, you, you mentioned, yes. or I mentioned to you that I would share a, a theory about why Nick Fury and um, Dum Dum never really came out to observe the Transformers. And, of course, you know, the, I'm sure that some editors decided, you, you know— this wouldn't be a good idea to fuse the Marvel Universe with the Transformers Universe, and correct, they were. So if I were you know, trying to come up with a no prize for it, I would say that Nick Fury just shuttled them off to an alternate universe. That works. On my end, I think that uh, Spider-Man came back and gathered all the heroes together and said, all right, whatever you do, stay the hell away from these things. Just <laughs> let them fight it out. <laughs> with the very obvious you know, line of, who the hell goes to Oregon anyway? <laughs> yeah. Just keep it in Oregon. You'll be okay. Yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. nobody. No, nobody nobody ever Oregon. gets there. They all die of dysentery. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Pat, too soon. <laughs> that was your best all one right, so done. far. Thanks a lot. See you guys later. So, John? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yes, sir. Do you have any good or bad? Oh, yeah. This is one of my favorite issues of this series. It's not the best, but this is one of the very first ones I got as a kid. And I read this thing until it fell apart. When I was a kid, especially, I loved the fact that the Marvel Universe just is seamlessly being shown as, hey, the Transformers are part of this. I mean, we got, as you said, Nick and Dum Dum. Uh, Reed Richards is name dropped by Spider-Man. We had Dazzler mentioned in the issue before. And, of course, Spider-Man himself. It's just this great Spider-Man adventure. I mean, Spider-Man doesn't realize how out of his depth he is until the very end when it all just comes crashing down on it. Because he's fought robots before a number of times. And they usually give him a little bit of problems, but then he usually takes them out. I mean, even if they're specifically designed to slay him, as it were. Yeah, These things were... my lame. Right. 
These things are on a different class. I also am a big fan of Megatron in this one. Just how bombastic and threatening he is, especially since I've been really on this reread, uh, paying attention to the difference in scale between the humans and the Transformers and how terrifying it would be to be a human being and suddenly have a free-thinking robot grabbing you and rapidly turning back and forth from vehicles. That would blow your mind. Yeah, that would be terrifying if you were flying you know, you're in an aerial fight and then the other plane transformed into a robot and ripped the wings off of your plane. That was some special stuff. I think arguably the battle between them, even though it is what is the best in the four issue miniseries of how you get to just see the Decepticons completely school the military, which was one of many reasons why the Michael Bay movies made absolutely no sense to me. That the uh, army or the military forces in the Bay movies were able to take down and destroy various Decepticons. No, they're not. Skywarp here just ports on top of your plane, turns into a robot, rips the wings out, and that's the end of it. These things are on a different power and skill level than, than we are. But we have Spider-Man. For bad, there's a lot of Transformers uh, show up and vanish. Like Optimus Prime gets through the lines and then apparently decides not to take part in the fight at all. Mm-hmm. He, he was going to pull a Rambo. Then chill. But then chill. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man taking out Rumble and Frenzy with one with little twip was a little silly. I did love him versus Ravage, though. That was a cool and, one. I like that. And I would be remiss if I didn't uh, mention my favorite panel in all of comic books, which is Megatron tearing forth from uh, Spider-Man's web with the... Who dares to ensnare Megatron? And he's like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, of course, we we all know Megatron is the big bad, but they have gone out of their way, I think, to establish that Megatron is the big bad. And that's very cool. I have a question about Megatron, though, in the beginning of the issue. Like, he has, like, we see his own little inner monologue when he's thinking and basically says he is safe from potential assassins or coups from the likes of Starscream as long as he has his giant fusion cannon. (laughs) Right. And I'm like, what defensive advantage does that give you other than possibly fear? But it's kind of like, if we're all in a room together and you've all got pistols or handguns and i've got a shotgun i'm like you guys can't kill me because i've got the most powerful gun there's a flaw in that logic i don't know what defensive advantage that gives you but okay ryan you were saying before about spider-man's appearance in this yeah apparently it was um the writer jim salakrup wanted to use a guest star in order to boost sales so it might have been like that this was a stunt in order to help get enough Transformers issues sold that they could continue it past a four-issue series. He picked Spider-Man because Spider-Man was the biggest property at Marvel at the time. There was a problem, though, in that or Hasbro had licensed the property to Marvel to write these stories. But at the exact same time, Marvel had a licensing deal with Mattel to do their Secret Wars toys, and Spider-Man was a part of that. Oh, my. So they had to do these whole sort of like gymnastics where Marvel basically said, look, we'll put Spider-Man 
in this Transformers comic, but he's going to be in his black costume, which he's now, we now, like in issues of Amazing Spider-Man and Peter Parker Spectacular and Web, like this, now he's in his black costume. And in Secret Wars, he's not in his black costume. He's in his red and blue. So kids won't get confused. Mattel will have their red and blue classic Spider-Man and Hasbro can see the black Spider-Man in this Transformers comic. No problems whatsoever. Until you get to like issue eight or whatever of Secret Wars when <laughs> Spider-Man gets the black costume and then that throws everything off. Like after all of that, like maneuvering and everything. So they have Spider-Man in this issue. Well, after Marvel doesn't renew the license for Transformers to publish them anymore and Hasbro licensed the book out to other companies. And I don't know who had it first, but eventually some of those companies want to start doing reprints of the classic Marvel Transformers. Well, Marvel says you can't reprint issue three because it has Spider-Man and he belongs to us. You have to pay us. And the other companies are like, well, no, we don't want to pay you. So for a <laughs> long time, there would be reprints of like the, the classic versions of like these early issues of Transformers that did not include issue three. You would just get a text piece saying what happened mm. in issue <laughs> three, <laughs> just kind of like explaining it. And eventually, but only like within – seven five or six seven years or something just for now um idw finally made a deal with marvel and i think it was actually after the disney bought marvel um because idw has other deals where they're publishing a lot of uh, old marvel stuff too um where they finally made it financially feasible where idw is now able to reprint uh these these classic issues including the ones with spider-man or death's head or other you know creations from from marvel comics so yeah that's it's cool. just, considering salakrub wanted to use spider-man like it was his pick i think spider-man is written fairly generically he, i don't think salakrub had a handle on on spider-man's voice this could kind of be like anybody kind of like standing in but the physicality and the way spider-man is used physically and how he takes out some of the decepticons and things like that that is really really good um mm -hmm. like when he he uses the web to catch gears and then catch spark yeah. like physically spider-man is really on point in this uh, in this uh, issue, I really liked it. But in terms of just like his dialogue and the writing, I don't think Salak had no. the voice of Spider Man. It, it was pretty. He had yeah. edited Spider Man for a while, but I don't he, think he ever wrote him. But he he didn't write very many things. He was primarily an editor, and, and not so every editor is a good writer. <laughs> Well, uh, John, you mentioned how this was one of your favorite issues. For me, this is one of my least favorite issues of the ones that I've read. Now, I've only read about 20 from the original Marvel run. I really think this series hits its stride with issue five, not just because of the plot, things that happen, but I think when Bob Budiansky takes over, I agree. He, he injects a lot more energy. Yeah. I think the first issue is fun for, I mean, you guys delved into it, but like how much exposition is created in that how all the characters and like the the juggling act that everybody put into like delivering that one but the first couple of issues from this mini series they're okay but i think like a, a lot of the the characters are kind of interchangeable or disposable like the fact that gears is kind of the hero of this one like i i do remember when i was reading this because again my threw way into Transformers was the cartoon and then the toys, and I never liked Gears and that. So when I found out that Gears is the hero of this one, he's sharing time with Spider-Man, I was like, really? I, I didn't like Gears, but after reading this, I was like, it really could have been anybody. It could have been any other Autobot. I mean, even like Gears, like he's not a scout. Like you could have picked a, somebody who it would have made more tactical sense to use in that role. 
there's a lot of like fun energy in this, but I think definitely think there's a a, a major step up when you get to issue five and beyond when you get a new right onboard. I agree. I agree with you, Ryan. I think Gears was a a weird choice. Even seeing Gears on the cover, it, it's like, oh, Gears, cool. <laughs> what if it would have been like Bumblebee or somebody? Would you have gone? Oh yeah, no problem. Based on what we've seen with Bumblebee up to this point in the series and in other media, it would have made yeah. a lot of sense for it to be Bumblebee. Yeah, or even but I can, I mean, I can, Oh yeah, Mar- yeah, yeah. I can also see. Yeah, I can also see them saying, you know, Bumblebee had his arc with issues one and two with getting hurt and, and meeting Buster. Let's give somebody else, you know, like the, this time. But Gears, really? <laughs> like he's like the he's like an also ran even amongst like the second tier robots well if you didn't like gears here i mean you don't have to worry about ever really seeing him again he (laughs) only shows up in the background until like way later so i do agree with ryan as well too and i think you kind of put in my head what i what's been missing as me trying to describe why i in reading these why i'm not really overly excited much right now i'm looking for more character development more deeper story driven in that Kind of like like G.I. Joe was, you know, eventually down the road, several issues in, you start to see that character development and those stories build and build and build and build. So I think that it's a safe bet that's going to happen. This is, as the cover says, three and a yeah. four issue mini or limited series. And you remember the first two issues, it was so heavy mm-hmm. exposition of... I'm Optimus Prime, leader of the Autobots. My function is blah, 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 blah. And I think this issue got away from that a little bit, which made it enjoyable for me. It it just read as a story, and I'm betting issue four does. And I know uh, moving forward that it's going to do uh, the same thing. But you kind of have to know the players first before you can really put those motivations and stuff behind them. You You got to see a little bit of it. Megatron and Starscream would be prevalent among that, I think. You had um, Starscream repeatedly calling Megatron great Megatron, and Megatron is kind of like, yeah, yeah, keep it up, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> They've developed it a little bit, but it, there's more coming. There is more coming. Is that safe to say, uh, John? I agree with Ryan that the quality does pick up when Budiansky takes over. And from what I understand, what, who's the guy that wrote this one again? Jim Salakrip. Jim Salakrip, from all accounts I have heard, was extraordinarily happy to let it go. He very famously said at a convention when someone asked about it, or he was quoted as saying, I was glad to get rid of it because I couldn't keep the damn toys straight. Bob in the first two was given a plot credit. In this one, this is just Jim Salakrip for three and four is the writer. So, But this one does start showing signs of where it eventually gets, particularly in the art. They're definitely much more beholden to the Bible. You know, they're, they're starting to look more like their cartoon versions than they have up to this point. Bumblebee in particular rather prominently has the face that he has in the cartoon rather than how he's been shown, which is closer to how the toy looks. And Ratchet, Megatron, Ratchet and Ironhide don't look exa- like the monstrosities yes. that their toy actors <laughs> themselves look no. like. No. Delvin, do you have any more on this? You, you said a couple of things, but what what else did you have to say about this one? I made sure to weave my stuff in uh, with yours yes. and with, with everyone else's uh, trying to be a good host and whatnot. So I said most of what I needed to say. Well, good job, Delvin. 
Thanks, man. You know, I, I, I do try. I do. Does anyone else have anything else to discuss? I, I just about had one issue? more thing on this and that maybe it's just an, I don't know if it's an editing issue or something, but on uh, content page 20, when Spider-Man and Gears are sneaking in Megatron, there's a picture of Megatron. And he says, yeah. Oh, yes. You guys know what I'm yes. saying. Then he says, my sensors yes. and Autobot intruder entering through the rear of the fortress. And then he says, not even the the weakest radio signal can evade sound wave. I'm like, wait a minute. That's not sound wave. That was a mistake. That was one of him not being able to keep track of the damn toy. (laughs) Because then then you got sound wave, you know, sound wave shows up a few pages later fighting them. That was a straight up boo boo. Mm-hmm. That or it's like if I detected, I'm sure yeah. Soundwave did. He's way better <laughs> at this than I am. And then I, the other another thing I like, I really like how Gears just kind of keeps Kool Aid Manning through walls. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But that's all I got. Does anybody have anything else? I'm well, good. in that case, now's the time for us to talk about the hero of the day. Uh, actually, let's change the name for that. I, I received feedback in, uh, about this segment, and I was told I was missing a super obvious name for this section. So from here on out, we will call this segment Who Had the Touch? You got the touch! You got the power! where we talk about the character in the book that stood out the most. My opinion would be the guy who had to touch would be Spider-Man. I'm going to give it to him because there's not going to be many other issues of the Transformers where I can ever (laughs) say that. (laughs) Pat, what do you think? You know, I'm tossed between Spider-Man and Gears. I'm going to go with Gears because he's it's an Autobat that I don't really know, but I think he showed up and he did what he needed to do and he was willing to give it his all. John, what do you think? I was going to give it to Gears. I think I'm actually going to give it to Gears. 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 Uh, just because much like you're not going to be able to say that, man, Spider-Man sure kicked ass today. In no other form of media will I have the opportunity to say, Gears, you were the MVP. Gears had the touch. Take a bow, Gears. Ryan. If I can mention a non-transformer, Absolutely. yeah, this is obviously Spider-Man, who's the hero of this book. Oh, I thought you were going to um, say, oh. If it, if it has... <laughs> no, oh, almost got my... He's no, I've I've actually got a problem with oh, and I'll mention that next time. Yeah, if it's got to be a transformer, I can't give it to Gears because Gears sucks. Uh, so I'm just gonna go with Braun just because of the one part in the fight. There's like two panels where a Rumble is creating like a little earthquake thing that's knocking all the Autobots, but Braun is able to just run up and punch him like 30 feet away, and I just like that moment. And then Braun is quickly knocked out by uh, by one of the other Decepticons. So. <laughs> All right. So if we have talked about the touch, then uh, somebody had to be out of touch in the segment called Less Than Meets the Eye, where we talk about the character that was the worst in the book and they should be plagued with scraplets. I like that one. I, I, I quite like that one. I was smiling. I don't get it. Yeah, I know. I know you didn't. You will. Episode Rumble 29. Referred- issue 29, I think, or so. That's up there. Rumble yeah. referred to uh, Sparkplug yeah, as a scrapplet. He I did. Mean. Ryan, uh, have you already spoiled uh, who's less than meets the eye? <laughs> <laughs> 
if it was a if it has to be a transformer, um, you kind of uh, it does not. Okay, Pat picks Buster every time. (laughs) (laughs) I'll throw it out. If it had to be a transformer, and somebody else mentioned this, um, it might be Optimus Prime just for not really doing anything. Like leads them there, and then we don't see him. So just because like the expectation is Prime is gonna like lead them into battle, and we never see him do anything, so that was kind of a disappointment. But if we can extend humans, first of all, Nick Fury just deciding not to get involved, also kind of the same thing as Optimus. But oh man, like they're all like going to Oregon. Like, the Buster is like getting rid of. They're just going to the Ark, and he's going after his father. And O's like, oh, yeah, man, I can't go along with you. I don't think my parents would understand. <laughs> Dude, alien robots, like, nobody is going to understand unless they see this. Just say, Buster, I'm sorry, I don't want to die. I'll hang back with your girlfriend. Good luck finding your dad. Like, don't make up this lame excuse about your your parents not understanding that you go off on this adventure with alien robots. Like, dude, oh, sucks. Oh, oh does suck. Oh had an opportunity to be macking on Jesse last issue, and he didn't. I think Jesse made it entirely clear in this one her feelings on the matter. Even if he could have tried to mack on Jesse all day, Jesse's now having absolutely nothing to do with that. Neither. Just I, and I'm going to give mine away. Mine's Buster. He's not. Do- <laughs> this girl just comes up and they finally, you know, hey, what, what are you doing? You're- you're going to go all the way with the Autobots, and they're not going to let you go anywhere, obviously. You could just say, hey, go find my dad. I'm going to get comforted in the arms of, yeah. of my lady. I see. <laughs> John, what do you have here? There's too many great minds, I think. I actually had written down um, Optimus Prime <laughs> um, as my one, not only for just not doing anything, but for the fact that at this point, Optimus Prime has only spoken at length to two humans. One was a brief conversation with Buster, and the second is Spider-Man. So he, <laughs> he knows absolutely nothing about humans, but like this weird one shows up and he's hanging from a tree and he says, hey, me and Gears are going to sneak into the castle and we're just, we're just going to go get spark plug. And Optimus is like, Whatever you say, strange human I just met. <laughs> and it goes, go. But And then my other one that I had put out was Nick Fury and all of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> Dum Dum's like, yeah, uh, Nick, uh, there's some real strange happenings going on there in Oregon. Uh, the Air Force lost uh, check-in all of their planes. We should really get, yeah, it's probably just that Godzilla. I ain't doing it. <laughs> He's like, I, I could, but Magnum P.I. is on. <laughs> Have you seen that show? It's amazing. The Stuntman's going to be on. I got to watch that one. I guess I should pick one. Yeah. Mine was uh, Spark Plug. So I'm not going to get too military on you guys. But if he's going to be all, uh, okay, I'm going <laughs> to, yeah, I'm back in the war and, and I'm going to, yeah, here's my rank, name, rank, and so, serial number. And then Laser Beak was like, here's a laser by your foot. Okay, I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> really? You haven't read his shoe four yet, have you? Uh, no, I haven't. All I'm saying uh-huh. is that there, there's an out. I, 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 here's what I wrote. I said, I will rescind this if next issue it turns out Spark Plug poisoned the Decepticons. That's a pretty wild theory you got there, Delvin. We'll have to tune in next month to find out if that's in fact true. I, I knew that chemistry set was going to pay off. All right. Yeah. 
Cool. That works for me. So let's rate the book then. Uh, to recap for the audience, uh, we're still going to be doing that tech spec thing uh, from every Transformers toy, giving a rating from one to 10, 10 being the best, one obviously being the worst to describe how we felt about this issue. And I'll go first. I, I guess I'm just super Mr. Positive Happy Guy because I really did enjoy the issue. And, and it surprised me because I thought Spidey being in there was just going to be dumb. I, I, flat, I really did. And I guess because I had low expectations and it turned out much better than I expected, that boosts my score. So I give it a 9 out of 10. John, what do you think? A nostalgia-infused 8 out of 10. So I'm almost to you. I, Dude, that's I quite like 12 out of 10 for you. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I do like this. It does have its problems. They've all been mentioned. But just as what was supposedly just issue three in a four-issue series based on toys, you get one heck of a story out of this. There's yeah. silliness in it, but you get Spider-Man in there acting like Spider-Man. You get a pretty impressive Autobot versus Decepticon battle where you get to see all of them do their little things. And you get to see Megatron finally just show why he's Megatron. So so that merits an eight for me. Okay. What about you, Pat? I'm going to give it a seven. I liked how the action was throughout this. The storytelling was pretty good. Like you, everybody mentioned so far, there's a little iffy points. But all in all, it was a good, quick read-through. And I'm looking forward to see how this particular storyline ends. Ryan, how about you? So talking about this issue with you guys has bumped up my score originally because, like I said, when I was coming into this, I didn't really like this issue that much. Um, uh, to the point where when you first asked if I wanted to be on this ish episode, I was like, really? Episode three? Isn't there another one? But, I mean... <laughs> And, and I'll tell you why I did it, because, you know, I mean, I'm sure when when people listen to my shows and they think, oh, that Ryan Daly, you know, he's got it going on. He, you know, his life is all together. <laughs> yeah, he's great. That's right. Um, I certainly the, think that. The truth is, though, like, I, I'm a mess. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a stay at home dad now. And like on any given week, I only talk to like three adults. <laughs> If you ask me, I'm like, yes, I want to talk to people on a podcast. Like, so that's that's why I did this. But, With the but three of us, we're almost as good as one adult. So <laughs> that's right. So talking about this issue though with you guys, I, I'm going to bump up my score to a six. I still don't think this was a great Transformers comic, given that the breakout star and main instigator of the action is not a transformer and because gear sucks <laughs> the story itself was kind of fun once i just got into it and and it's able to you guys are able to just find some of the fun in that so it's not a bad comic it's just but i don't think it's great so i'll give it a six which is better than yeah. nothing, i think so. that, i think that's how I'm starting to look at these as just fun comics to read um and not taking them overly too serious and just finding the fun in it uh, has helped me. There's a lot to understand about Transformers. I'm totally still at a loss here. And we're, you know, we're three episodes, uh, three issues in. I'm totally at a loss. And what you guys keep saying, even Ryan, like said, it, it gets better. And so that's what I'm really looking forward to. So, and like I said, I think with this one, I guess I was expecting it to be more detailed, more interesting compared to how the cartoon show is. But I'm assuming that's going to happen down the road here. Kind of like, like I said, kind of like with G.I. Joe, where you could watch the cartoon of G.I. Joe. I'm not saying anything's wrong with it. I enjoyed it myself, too, for these little, you know, but different medium compared to the comic book. Just just a in-depth story you had with the comic book that was there. 
Well, I think you also have to look at a little bit of the the gestation of how those two different series came to be as comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if if the legend is true, a lot of what became G.I. Joe started mm-hmm. with Larry Hama's ideas for a S.H.I.E.L.D. book. And then it sort of merged into like what he was planning to that, like kind of merged into this toy property. But he worked on it from the ground up, building up who these characters are. And I mean, like sort of what Delvin was saying, the first issue of G.I. Joe is kind of comparable to the first issue of Transformers in that mm-hmm. you're introduced to 13 brand new heroes. Most of them look the exact same as with like the exceptions of Scarlet yeah. and Snake Eyes. Um, and like they each have their own little specialty, but they're, it's really just delineated by the action. And it's, it's an interesting first issue. But like if you jump to like the first issue to the second issue of G.I. Joe, where he has a smaller cast with just four mm-hmm. characters, you get a lot more characterization, a lot more interesting thing there. It's, it's different where, you know, like they're the sort of the mess of, of what Transformers was and how it came to be like the property and, and everything when the trans, the transfer of like the toy property. So I think they're different animals. So it seems natural to compare them because of, the, they both came out around the same time. They're both Hasbro toy properties, but their genesis is very, very different. Yeah, and that's what I'm. I guess I'm trying to find that differentiation between the two in my mind yeah. as yeah. I see the properties. And uh, yeah, and I mean at first and at this point in the game, it's planned to be just a four-issue comic to sell toys. Um, so they're not planning a lot of long-term story. They're not working, worrying about character development and bringing in the personalities of these characters because they're mm. not going to have enough time and space to fill the, to flesh those out. It's not until the book gets greenlit to continue going that you're going to see new characters introduced. A lot of characters are just forgotten about forever. You're never going to see Gears again. <laughs> and and we'll see some more personalities and more long-term storyline, but that's going to, that evolves over time. It, it was it actually was the same thing with GI Joe. It was about yeah. a year before we started seeing longer form stories to, like playing out in GI Joe. It wasn't until like yeah. issue ten. I can't think of a better way to put this to a close. So I think this is a good time for a podcast break. Let's do that starting now. The Transformers will return after these messages. It's midnight. The podcasting hour. Hello, listeners. It's your friend, PJ Frightful. That's PJ as in podcast jockey. And I'm dropping dreadful new episodes every two weeks. When the clock strikes midnight, the podcasting hour shines a candle on the dark corners of DC Comics. Those supernatural sagas of Swamp Thing, Dead Man, The Spectre, and more. The podcasting hour. It's a rotating anthology series boasting the terrifying talents of Ryan Daly, Rob Kelly, Paul Hicks, Ben Avery, Doug Zavisha, and other unfortunate souls. Prepare for the unexpected, open a doorway to nightmare, and enter the houses of mystery and secrets. The moon is full, and the dark spirits are rising. For it's midnight, the podcasting hour. Coming this Halloween, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Beware. We now return to the Transformers. We can and will never leave you without John's segment of the show called Transformers Spotlight. 
where he discusses a particular Transformer, which features uh, in today's issue. And it looks like he has Ryan's favorite. Take it away, John. Gears, everyone's favorite Autobot. His function (laughs) is transport or reconnaissance. His motto is nobody wins a war. Somebody loses. It's a dumb motto. Anyway, (laughs) and that somebody is me. On the tech specs, on a scale of one to ten, his strength is eight, his intelligence is seven, his speed is six, his endurance is eight, his rank is six, courage is nine, firepower is one, and skill is seven. Gears hates Earth. He grumbles and complains about being shipwrecked on it, and he complains and grumbles to a ridiculous extent, in fact, until he becomes a source of amusement rather than negativity, unlike Huffer, who truly sucks. But we'll get to that in about, like, seven issues, I think. We'll do Huffer. Huffer does suck. I agree with that. He sounds right. like my kind of guy. That's usually isn't. Huffer. At least the name. <laughs> Maybe he's got some pipe. <laughs> That almost led to a tangent. Those of you who had the toys will know what it was. Uh, this it. is usually yay. This is usually his intent, as Gears has a desire to help his fellow Autobots see good in a bad situation. But still, he does get depressed from time to time. Uh, in robot mode, Gears launches himself like a woodcock in mating season, twenty miles into the sky via blasts of compressed air, which he then uses to descend to the surface. This is hilarious, as this is higher than a Boeing seven forty seven can fly. And then he just floats down until his air jets give out and he plummets to the ground, only to be saved by Spider-Man, hopefully. This issue is the most we'll get from Gears in the comics. But in this one issue, he gets more personality and more to do than some other characters with multiple appearances. Now, Gears was part of the first assortment of Autobot mini-vehicles in the toy. He transforms into a blue and red of the Penny Racer-style proportioned pickup trucks of indeterminate model with some random stuff in the trunk bed. Gears was also the first Transformer I ever got as a kid and has the same mold as my favorite Transformer ever, Swerve. Thanks to tfwiki.com for a lot of the above. Back to you, Pat. I remember those penny racers. I think I had it. A lot of the mini Autobots, that was kind of the best way to describe them, like Bumblebee, Cliff Jumper, and that they looked like the penny racers. Can I ask a question about Gears? Yes. His function is transport? Apparently. How, how is that manifested for a species that can transform into ro- into vehicles? I don't know. <laughs> He's the one. He transforms into the one that they pile stuff on. <laughs> but he's supposed to be. <laughs> we'll teach you to complain. Here, haul this. And be sneaky about it. <laughs> Throw your guns <laughs> and your gear and stuff into the back of Gears' truck. He has to carry and it. Go on a scouting mission. All right, well, now it's time for some social media likes and shares where we heap praises upon the audience for listening to us. We really appreciate all the love and attention we get from the show that we don't get in real life. (laughs) That is true. Sadly, that's true. Speak for yourself, dude. (laughs) Newlywed. So, some social media likes and shares from El Sedano. I left my wallet with El Sedano. Got to get it. Got to get it. Uh, next, we have Anime Freaks. Anime Nostalgia at Anime Freaks TTF. Next up is Austin Kaikendall. Big Easy. 77 at 77 underscore big with two Gs. That's really big. Speaking uh, of big, we got Bob Busta. Chris at BTO and Bat Books. It, it, it can't be an episode without saying, Let it roll! Down the highway! Down the highway! Just 
Subbing in for Jason. Very good. Very well done. Next up is Clinton Robinson. Coo-coo-coo-choo. Clinton Robinson's blog, Coffee and Comics blog. Following that, we have Derek William Crab. Thanks, Derek. Ed Moore at Teal Productions. Thank you, Ed Moore. Eddie Weaving. Thanks, Eddie. Edwin McMichael. Francisco Vanagola. Vanagoli. Gabriel Isaac Bloomer. Stop by to say hello. So hello back. Next up is a gal walks into a comic shop. I hope she's okay. <laughs> Green Lantern HG. And his alter ego, Hal Jordan. Ivan Chudley or Chudley, whichever one you are. Thanks for stopping by. Pretty sure it's Ivan Chudley. Good guy. Enabler of Pat as well. Next up is James Charles Huntley. Thanks, James. I uh, get stuck with this one. Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist. Imagine how that worked out. <laughs> then we have Jeffrey Fonzo. Hey. Hey. I've got Johanna Albright. Hey, Johanna. Hello. Next up is John Spurgeon. Ken Solo at Ken underscore Alas. Kurt Spencer has a great Thanksgiving. I bet he does. Floral at Mountain Flower One. Next up is the Long Box of Darkness. Next up is the greater of the Schaefer Hames family, Maggie Schaefer Hames. Hi, Maggie. I checked. She's asleep. Hi, Maggie. Sweet dreams. (laughs) (laughs) Don't make it weird. (laughs) Where am I to disagree? (laughs) And we have Mike Holmes. Not to be mistaken for Mike Peacock. Proud to have you, Mike. Next up, Neil Layden. After that, Phil Kors. Hey, Phil. That's a buddy of mine. Speaking of buddy of ours, we have Rad Adventures. Ruth and Darren from the Rad Adventure Network. Thank you, guys. And then Reggie Hancock. Next up is another buddy of mine, Robert Charles. Thanks, Rob. After that, old school Ross himself, Ross Michaud. Great guy. I know who he is. Up next is Ruth Sutherland. Thanks for stopping, Ruth. Next up is Do we have to read this guy? He's like the gear He's like the gears of podcasting. (laughs) He also has no memory of liking the last episode, so (laughs) (laughs) Oh Oh. he's like sleep liking. He's like sleep liking and sharing or something. Whatever Next gets up us is the Ryan Daly. After that, the Hammer Strikes. Then we have the Kirby cast. And then we have everybody's favorite voice of Mephisto, Tim Price. Next up, Live Long and Prosper with Trekker Talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they love them. Uh, one of my favorite podcast titles, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, which is a podcast that packs a lot of power in its title. Yes. <laughs> and usually about two or three takes when they guest star with you to try to get to say it. Unpacking the Power Pack. The power of the power. Can't stop the Power Pack because the Power yep. Pack can not stop. <laughs> Peter Packer, Peter Packer, Power Packer, Pickles. I don't know what you're trying to prove there, Pat, but you sure did. He's trying to prove that he has the power of the power pack. And right. Peter Piper picked a pack of pickled peppers. I almost got through that. Next up is Warlock Thanos podcast. Uh, Weasel Skull. And last, but certainly not least, Xenozoic Xenophiles. Thanks, everybody. We will move on to uh, some comments for listeners. All right. For some comments that we got from the Facebook or from the Twitter, I am going to pick one from Green Lantern HG. And Green Lantern says, excellent episode, guys. I'm with John. Doing transformations for the better every month is not my thing. 
think of the healthiest thing I've done is switch to light beer. <laughs> and what's everybody picking Decepticons for the hero of the day? Okay, I'll take Ravage too. See, that's why we changed the name. You know, there there are critiques, there there are concerns, there are comments. You know, I had someone come up to me on the street and was like, dude, what's up with that? Also, I completely made that up. Sorry about all the Decepticon heroes of the day. That's why I chose Gears today. Just for you, Green Lantern. Unpacking the power of Power Packs, which is cool. Those guys are great, and I love their podcast. Let's see what they said. The biggest surprise was how you transformed John into a semi-decent podcaster. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> oh, you all do great work. Aw, thanks, Jeff and or Rick. I'll pick one from Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist. Trademark. Encouraging. Half my life is encouraging him. So you just have to kind of deal with it. <laughs> he says, excellent episode, guys. I always thought GoBots were cool, and I'm glad there's a podcast about them. Leader One is the coolest. I may or may not actually be listening to these episodes. He's listening. He's a he's a kidder, I, I think, maybe. Cross your fingers. <laughs> yeah. Move on. <laughs> All right, and I will take a comment from Jeffrey Fonzo, who said, love me some Transformers. And I picked that comment because of its brevity. Thank you. <laughs> Could have read yours when you said you gave the cover an eight. Eh, I don't even know if yeah, I'd believe that anymore. I don't even know if he wrote that. <laughs> How can people send their messages to us, guys? Well, I'm glad you asked, Jonathan. You can send us a message and be part of the show as well, just like everyone else who was on the show today. And that is either tweeting us at... Longbox Crusade, or on the Facebook at Longbox Crusade, or you can send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com. There's also an Instagram There's page, also right? An Instagram. Yep. Delvin, where can you find that? There is. Yeah, there is. There's Instagram uh, at long, uh, Longbox Crusade. Uh, come uh, join us. Uh, we've actually uh, got a couple of followers there and always looking for more, always looking for networking opportunities. So uh, hit us up there as well. And uh, that's the show. But before we wrap up, we should at least go around the room and let everyone know where they can find us on the worldwide interwebs and stuff. Let's start with our guest, Ryan. And thank you for being such an awesome guest, Ryan. Where can we find you? What? Oh, uh, Esposito! Esposito! <laughs> 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 oh, no. Oh, where are Yeah. Um. Uh, you can find me. I am part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, which you can find at fireandwaterpodcast.com. I have several shows on that network uh, in various stages of production or hiatus or whatever. You can just go to the shows and look them up. You can also find me on Facebook, Ryan Daly. You can find me at Twitter at RyanDaily01. Yeah. And uh, again, I just want to say before I go, thank you very much for having me on the show. It was tons of fun. Even if, you know, we weren't talking about Transformers, it'd be great to talk to you guys. So thanks. Aww. Oh, it's great having you. Thanks for coming by. Yeah, yeah. I just I just now remembered I was going to start off with a joke when you asked me about, like, my favorite Transformer. I was going to make a Voltron joke about saying, like, I really like the Red Lion. And I like when they combine. I had this whole bit done that I just completely oh. forgot to do. So next time, next time. Do you guys mind starting from the top and doing it sure. all over again? Let's go ahead. I assumed... We, well, we have to anyway. That That's in the deal, right? Mm -hmm. Where can the listeners find you guys? John. I do a podcast with my wife called Married with Comics. Uh, you can find it just by pointing your podcatcher to that term. I have a Facebook group of The Married with Comic Podcast. And on Twitter, we are at John and Maggie. You can find us MWC underscore 
podcast. You can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y 1977. Pat, where can they find you? You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. And that's the show. Please come back and join us for the next episode where we discuss Transformers issue four, where we wrap up the original Transformers story arc and things really kick into overdrive. Till then, see you next time. And remember, freedom is the right of all sentient beings. Till all are one. Till all are one. I just don't know what that means. <laughs> no. Is that a thing? <laughs> it, a thing. We're, we're trying to make it a thing. You know, it's only episode three. I don't know it. You got the touch. You got the power. Yeah. Characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended, and it is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics.